told you last week we were introducing or kind of getting introed into a story. We're going to continue that intro today, uh, which will lead us into more to come with Abraham and Lot and Sarah as well. Um, I've entitled this this one and probably not next week, but the week after, a uh, lot of problems um, to go with Lot. Uh, we'll skip Lot for a week, but then we'll come back to him as well. Last week we ended in verse number 4, where it says, Under the place the, the altar which he had made there at the first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And I told you last week, you know, there we don't read of anyone else. Abraham being the patriarch of his family, the husband of his home, um, it makes sense that it, it abides there with Abraham in his direct home. But in verse number 5, it kind of opens up, and Lot also went with Abraham, had flocks, uh, which went with Abraham, excuse me, uh, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. So we understand what that means, right? They had a lot of stuff, um, animals, people, tents possessions, things like that. Both were doing very well. It says in verse 7, And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites uh, dwelled then in the land. And Abram uh, said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we uh, be brethren." Which, by the way, is a great mindset to have when you're dealing with brethren or sisterin. Um, uh, when you're dealing with, with that mindset of, hey, let's not, let's not argue, let's not fight. We're family. He says in verse 9, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou uh, depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Again, intriguing here, Abraham, he's saying, listen, we got everything. <laughs> it's ours. So why don't you pick where you want to go, and then I'll just go the other way. Uh, that's how you solve problems. And not, it's not that every time we have a problem we can do that. Um, it's similar to what Christ says in the New Testament about turning the other cheek. Um, it, is a, it is an idea of, hey, let's not fight, so we need to pick which way we're going to go, and Abraham doesn't say, I'm going to go over here, and you can have this, right? He says, you pick uh, what you want, and then I'll go the other direction to give that space between our, our people because this says that the herdmen were constantly fighting with each other. That's our water. No, that's our water. That's our grass. That's our grass. Uh, they hadn't invented barbed wire yet. That would come in the, I think, the 1800s maybe. Um, and so... Uh, it's this matter of trying to figure out how they're going to uh, have all this stuff and be able to still dwell together whether they couldn't without there being problems. So Abraham said, you pick. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Verse number 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest, Unto Zor. Uh, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. 
Uh, verse 12 tells us Abraham dwelled in Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So we see this option given to Lot, saying, you pick, and I'll go the other direction. And Lot, again, we don't have the whole conversation. Maybe we do. I'm assuming there was some, some time and some conversation that took place here. But when Lot looked around, he said, man, everything right here just seems well watered. Very good for our sheep, very good for our cattle, uh, very good for us as well. But it says there in verse number uh, 12 that Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. Which I find interesting I know the story of Lot, I know where it's leading. Uh, but uh, it, it seemed like Abraham was going to continue to dwell in his, in his own space. Where it was him and his people and his things. And Lot chose to dwell in the cities, which means it's already established. There's already people there. Now, it talks about uh, the land that he chose was like the land from the garden. So we know the garden was very plenteous, right? There was uh, lots of food, lots of water, lots of things like that. And then it also compares it to the land of Egypt, which again was a booming uh, uh, center point for a lot of things. In the Bible, it's used as a picture of the world. And, uh, and, and so Lot chose where to go. A couple things with this, we'll move on because we're going to come back to Lot in a couple weeks. Um, it seems like it was a pretty quick decision for Lot. And again, that's, that's just me taking what I have here. He looked out and he said, Abraham said, pick what you want and you'll go. And, and I don't, we don't see Lot as going, well, I want to make sure Abraham's well taken care of. Maybe he did. Maybe he thought about that too. Maybe the rest of the land, we know the rest of the land God was blessing too. So maybe it really didn't matter as far as the health of the family where they went. Uh, but Lot looked out and he saw this place that looked perfect. And he said, I'm going to take that. And what it did is it put him in a place, it put him close to a place, and we're going to read more about it in just a moment, that God saw as wicked. And I'm assuming even at this point, there was a reputation already building within the city. When you think of cities, do you think of um, godliness or do you think of, of sin? Honest question. When you think of New York City, do you think godliness or do you think sin? It might not be the first thing that comes to your mind either direction. You might think of shows or traffic or loud people or whatever you want to call it. But when you think of the cities, typically we think of places of sin. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the only one that does that. You think of Vegas, obviously you think of sin. Uh, you think of Atlanta. Um, I don't look at Atlanta and think godliness. I don't look at Los Angeles and think godliness. I don't look at New York and think godliness. I don't look at Chicago and think godliness. Now, granted, I, I don't look at uh, Lancaster and think godliness either. All right, and It's not a city, so it is what it is. But it's, it's in interesting because God includes this in the story on purpose. And what's his purpose? Um, you know, that's, that's for each of us to pray and figure out, I suppose. But it tells us that Lot dwelt in the cities, and we're going to read more about that dwelling in the cities as we get further along in the Lot story. But Sodom is where he dwelt, uh, and then Gomorrah is very close by. Uh, but we continue to see Abraham's just humility through this whole process. Verse number 14. We've already seen it with the, hey, you pick. Now in verse number 14, the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated uh, from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land 
which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. He's telling him it, it's not going to be numbered, right? You can't count the amount of sand on the earth. Uh, verse 17, Arise, walk through the land and the length of it, uh, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, uh, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Maybe Lot did this. It's not recorded for us in Scripture. Well, we see Abram when they leave Egypt, and he gets back out to where he originally was, and he saw that altar sitting there that he originally built. It says he called on the Lord. Now he moves into this new land, uh, and God says, I'm going to give everything that you can see. It's yours. Go ahead and walk wherever you walk. It's yours. And Abraham's response to it was build an altar. Now again, going back to understanding this, the reason for altars, yes, worship, but it's also a place of remembrance. When Abraham saw the altar he originally built, it brought back memories to Abraham. And I already told you, when they go into the promised land, uh, they build an altar, God tells them to, so that they can remember, so that when kids see it, they say, what does that mean? And the parents say, God brought us through into this land. He led us. This is how he led us into through across the Jordan River. This is what he did uh, there at Jericho. All that was going to come back flooding into memory when they saw these altars. So the altars for remembrance and for worship. And we see that's what Abraham did. When he got to where he was going, uh, when he set his place of establishment, he built an altar there unto the Lord. And we watch Abraham's humility leads to blessings. And I believe the same is true in our lives too. I say humility, but with that is built in obedience. But Abraham didn't get prideful. He didn't get, um, you know, I'm older than you. I'm greater than you. Uh, God promised me all these things when it came to Lot. He said, you pick where you want to go. And, and again, this is just my paraphrasing, but Abraham's saying, wherever I go, God's going to take care of me. And so Lot picked, Abraham went the other way, and God said, everything you can see, north, east, south, west, it's yours. I'm going to give it to you and your seed. Not only am I going to give it to you and your seed, I'm going to bless you with a whole bunch of seed, uh, right? I mean, as, as the sand is in the earth, if anybody can number the sand, then they'll be able to number your, uh, your descendants. That's saying something uh, with how much God was going to bless. But it's a result of Abraham's obedience, ultimately, his humility, though, which allowed him to obey, if that makes sense. So we see this blessing continuing to come. Now look at chapter 14. I, I'm just really intrigued, just reading through this all again. And, and again, it wasn't put in the same order as I remembered it uh, from the last time I came through, so it was neat for me to see all this again. But look what happens, verse number 1 in chapter 14. Uh, the Bible says, And it came to pass in the days of uh, 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 Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariak, king of Ele Eleazar, Shedder, king of Elam, and Tidal, king, thank you, Tidal, king of nations. That one was easy enough. I probably said it wrong. It's probably Tidal, but anyways. Tidal, king of nations. Uh, that these made war uh, with Bera, 
Uh, reading this quickly, if you're like me, you read it Berea, but it's not. It's Bera. Uh, king of Sodom, and with Beersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemeber, king of Zeboim, uh, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. I always ask God when I'm reading these, why? Why do we need to know these guys' names? Is it really that important? And if we needed to know them, couldn't you have named them something easier? But anyways, um, so be it. So these kings uh, are now making war with the kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, uh, Zeboim, and Bela. Uh, and we see here, it says in verse 3, all these rejoined together in Vale of Siddim, which is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they serve Chedorlaomer, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year came Shedorlaomer and the kings that were with him. See, why can't we do that more often? The kings that were with him and just leave them at that. There's more names on it. You can read them yourself. Verse 6, the Horites in the Mount Seir unto Elaparam, uh, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to in Misfet, uh, which is Kadesh. Why couldn't we just call it Kadesh? And smote all the country of the Amalekites, and all the Amorites dwell on Hazen Zon Tadimar. Uh, and there went out the king... I could, probably could have just skipped all that and came to verse 8. And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same as Zor, uh, and they joined battle with them in the Vale of Siddim. Now, through these names in verse number 9, verse number 10, then the vale of Siddim was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountains. So you see, we got the kings ran off uh, and fell, uh, died, captured, whatever, and, they, and the others ran off to the mountain. Uh, verse 11, they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way, and they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Now listen, have you ever seen a movie, and somebody was doing something bad, but then at the last minute they did one extra little thing, and you thought to yourself, that's going to end badly for that person. Had they just done whatever, but not messed with that, they would have been okay. But since they did that one thing... Nope, good guy's going to come and beat him, right? This is not a movie. This is real life. This actually happened. Had they come and, 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 and invaded and, and beat out Sodom and Gomorrah and, and went on their way and left Lot alone, it's probably the last time we'd know of these people. But they took Lot, and they took all his stuff, and they departed. This is interesting, at least I think so. Maybe you don't, but who cares? I'm going to tell you anyways. And there came one that had escaped. Uh-oh, there it is, right? Movie plot. Uh-oh, somebody escaped. And they told Abram, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, uh, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, brother of Anar, and these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and he smote them. And he pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Uh, and he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. Uh, so you see Abraham was told, Lot's been taken captive, They've taken him and all his stuff. 
And the servants that were born in his own home, they weren't Abraham's children, but they were, Abraham has a town, he's got a city, he's got a village, whatever you want to call it, of people. And so with the group that have been traveling with Abraham, Lot for some time was included in this, there are now trained servants, 318 fighters. And Abraham went out, and he went and he rescued Lot, he got all the stuff, and all the people, it says, the women also and the people, brought them back. The king of Sodom, verse 17, um, he says, uh, he went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedor Laomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. Uh, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, different Melchizedek from the other one we've looked at before, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Uh, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hands. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself, and Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine eye, my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to the shoe latchet, uh, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. You understand Abraham's thought process here? Sodom, the king of Sodom offered him uh, a great blessing. He earned it. He went out and fought, rescued, delivered, and he earned a reward. But he said, I will not take anything from you because I don't want you to say I'm rich because of you. Abraham did not earn his wealth through the things he did on this earth. He earned his wealth through the obedience of God. And he said, God has given me everything that I have and God will Give me everything that I receive. And I don't want anyone to confuse your kindness or your reward for what God has done for me. Now, listen, I understand Abraham was wealthy in that time frame, especially he had lots of stuff already. He didn't need anything from Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, but as you and I know, the one thing, with no matter how much money you have, you typically want more money. Um, very few people turn down large sums of money, you know. Um, but Abraham did, and he said, and then there's a reason behind it. He said, I'm going to depend on God. And, and his dependence on God was proved through how he handled this situation uh, with, with, with the king of Sodom. Now, he did say, uh, verse 24, save only that which the young men have eaten uh, and the portion of the men that, uh, which went with me. So paying, repaying the cost of the, of the, the war, the battle. Um, Anar, Eskel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. So those other guys that were with him, that came and helped, let them be rewarded, pay them, all those sorts of things. But for me, I'm going to take what God gives me and only what God gives me. <clears throat> Verse number one. This is going to be intriguing because you're going to have to come back next week. This is a continuing story. You're going to have to come back next week. And, and we can look at what happens here in verse number one <clears throat> to what is about to happen in Abraham's life. But he says in verse number 1 of chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, <clears throat> Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great 
reward. Great phrasing here by God. I, I, I mean, I know God's perfect and God doesn't make mistakes, but there are just certain passages in Scripture that I just love the way that God chose to word things. And he says to Abraham, in my opinion, after Abraham had already proven his trust in God, but he says, uh, he says, fear not, I am thy shield, protector. Uh, we see it in uh, Psalms, use the word buckler, same idea. Uh, and he says, uh, thy exceeding great reward. Again, I don't know about you, I like exceeding great rewards. I'm a fan of exceeding great rewards. Uh, I like any reward, to be honest, but I love exceeding great rewards. Uh, so, like, you know, I'll use my boss as an example again. He gives me a reward. I'm appreciative of it. I say thank you. I shake his hand. Thank you. I appreciate whatever, you know, a, a donut or something like that. But typically at Christmas time, he gives an exceeding great reward. And for that one, I make sure to make direct eye contact, squeeze the hand a little harder, even though he's usually inebriated at that time. But I say, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Because as much as I like donuts on a random Thursday, I like a dozen donuts. No, I like, I like a lot more. God says to Abraham, and listen, I believe it's true with us too. God hasn't promised that our descendants will number the same as the sand. And, uh, you know, God doesn't promise everything that you can see is yours. But God does promise to be our shield, our protector. And God does promise to be a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Abraham diligently sought the Lord. And the Lord said, I will exceedingly great reward you. Uh, and the same is true for us today. Having said all that, this is a reminder of who, uh, of who God is. A shield and a, and a rewarder. It's, it's part of many of the things that God is. But what we're going to see is even Abraham forgets that God is the one who rewards him. And Abraham's a father of the faith. Abraham is one that we look to that God mentions multiple times. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Abraham messes up. And how much more do we mess up because we fail to remember who God is. He's our shield and our great rewarder. Uh, we're going to look at the stories of Abraham and Sarah coming up. Um, and Hagar, if some of you know that one already, but we'll come into that one. And then after that, we'll continue on the story with Lot as well. And uh, we're going to see multiple over the next couple weeks. We're going to see multiple times um, failures. And I say this as, as right as I can. I don't know if that's even the right way to put it. But I read through the Bible and I see great men and women of faith and I see them mess up, and it makes me go, okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> and that encourages me. I don't know if it does you or not. It makes me go, thank you. Okay, I'm not the only one. But what we see also is when those that turn back to God, God's restoration, and God's faithful to do so, God, as he promises, if we confess, he is faithful to forgive 
uh, and to cleanse and to restore. And we're going to see that through Abraham's life and Lot's life in the coming weeks as well. And um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a really intriguing story, but we see a lot of things that will line up with Lot especially, but some with Abraham too, actually a lot with Abraham too. In their failures, we can learn and pull a lot from their failures uh, so that we can avoid making similar um, heart failures the way that they did as well. So we'll continue to look at that next week. Thank you for staying awake. Um, I was going to blame uh, uh, our slow song right before the message, but, um, but I'm not going to because everybody stayed awake. So I, I wasn't going to blame myself. <laughs> so, uh, all right. It's been a good day. Thank you for being here today. Uh, a reminder, this week, our midweek service will be on Tuesday.